Hello, and welcome to episode 33 of North Point Plus, and I am joined by a cowboy hat. <laughs> do, yeah. do you want to explain? <laughs> well, so last week, I'm not here, I'm gone, I travel, so Jake and Chris stand in for me. It takes two of them to stand in for me, and they're both wearing hats, and I thought, how come they get to wear hats, and I don't wear a hat? So I thought I, I would take their hat and one-up it with, one my up. Cow, with my cowboy hat, because my hat is bigger than their hats. No one will dispute that. <laughs> so that's good enough. Good. It, the hat has served its purpose. That's right. It was just a prop. Now, hopefully, I don't have a line across my forehead that will distract anyone for the rest of the time. It'll fade. It'll go away. It will. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rick, thanks for joining uh, North Point Plus. This thanks. is our follow-up podcast. We gather together uh, every Sunday, go through, uh, we worship through music, we worship through diving into God's Word, and then this podcast allows us to keep doing that worship, keep the conversation going, keep focusing on Jesus. Um, but last week, you were gone. Um, I was. So you preached on Easter, which was great. We had an yep. awesome Easter Sunday, awesome yeah. Easter celebration. That was a ton of fun. Uh, but then you were traveling. You were on the road on Monday. Um, going. To, uh, you mentioned in the message uh, this past Sunday that you were uh, going to a funeral from a, a close friend, a mentor. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about yeah. what that was? Yeah, it um, it was a... Uh, it was, uh, th- there were there were a lot of aspects of it that were just really cool. So um, from 1985 to 1997, I was on staff at the Church of Christ at Manor Woods in Rockville, Maryland. Okay. And um, Ken Mead was the lead pastor. I said yesterday he was lead pastor there for 46 years. Wow. And um, and just a fantastic guy. Um, yeah. uh, just I, I can't say enough good about him. Um, didn't have a clue who he was. Um, when he first called and asked us to, to come and serve at Manor Woods. Mm. Um, we were in, at that point in time, we were in uh, Columbus, Ohio. And uh, the thought of moving 500 miles from our family with, with a six-month-old baby, it was like, there's no way we're doing that. <laughs> However, we can go do an interview and see Washington, D.C. for free. That's great. The best thing in the world. And and I really did, going into that, just have a sense that we weren't going to move out there unless unless it was just so clear that God was mm-hmm. in the middle of it. And, um, and Ken, um, in those days, my interview lasted five days out there. And, <laughs> um, and during that time, uh, it just became really clear that he could be a friend and a mentor, and um, and he was a partner in ministry. That's what he yeah. he he never called himself my boss. Mm. He always called me his partner in ministry, which was mm. really really cool. And so the 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 really cool part of the story is that um, when we went out to Virginia at the beginning of March for my niece's uh, wedding. Um, we left a day early, and so we could make the trip in two days. And I said, I said to Deb, we need to stop and see Ken and Jan. Yeah. And um, uh, there, Ken's about twenty-five years older than I am. I am, so he's eighty. Would would have been eighty-seven this year. And um, uh, we went and just had a fantastic visit. He uh, for three hours. We told stories and talked about um, stuff that had happened during the time that I was there. Just completely, Ken was completely full of energy. Jan too, just yeah. really good. They had bought a house and remodeled the entire house, just rehabbed the whole thing, mm. um, and and moved in right next to their son or their daughter and oh, son-in-law, which awesome. is really fun. And they came over late in the visit. They came over, so we got a chance to see them, and um, 
and we left saying, man, they had so much energy. It's not, I expected them to have slowed down because he's been now retired for uh, just about 20 years. Mm. And, um, and uh, they hadn't at all. And uh, three weeks later uh, to the day, mm. got a phone call from, from his son-in-law that said he was out mowing the lawn and had a self-propelled mower, but he was doing what he loved and um, had apparently had a heart attack and was probably dead before he hit the ground. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I said in the funeral, you know, he was doing something that he loved in a place that was beautiful, and in an instant, he was in a, an incredibly more beautiful place. And um, and so the the service, the, the uh, being with the people that we were with for twelve years, yeah was just marvelous it, oh, it sure. just it just was so good so um uh, all of that to say um you know when we talk about yesterday's message and living on mission mm-hmm. ken ken lived on mission and the the challenge really is to live on mission uh, on jesus mission not just right. what we think our mission is but to live out jesus mission um it gives you an incredible legacy yeah. and and heritage that that gets passed on to lots and lots of people yeah yeah i think that's i mean it's a <laughs> it's a great reminder it's a tangible reminder of yeah. being able to look back on someone's life and be able to know that they love jesus so much that yep. they were so bought into jesus that they wanted other people to be bought in um and i think that's that's again kind of what you were talking about in yesterday's message that the whole jesus didn't just raise from the dead and that's it. Right. There's so much more that yeah. comes after that. And so being able to see Jesus live out his mission, even in those 40 days after the resurrection right. and the calling that he puts on those that follow him to live out that same mission is a really, really important reminder. Um, is there anything else you want to summarize from the message yesterday before we jump into questions? No, no. I, I think really the the core of it, I, I said at the conclusion of the message, this is just really pretty simple. It's that if we are... If we're a follower of Jesus, hmm. if if we are following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus, we will embrace the mission of Jesus, which was to seek and save the lost. Yeah. And so, um, it was it was really um, helpful for me in preparation to think through. Um, you know what? When that becomes clear, when that becomes the central focus of what we're all called to do to to live at to live for Jesus and seek and save the lost, all of a sudden, lots of things that seem way more important become way less important. Yeah. And um, and so the the mission clarifies the way we live our lives. Yeah, yeah, that's great. So we got a handful of questions. Good, uh, a big handful. A big handful. A, 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 yes, it's a good handful, <laughs> uh, and some of them kind of relate to Easter a little bit. Yep. Some of them kind of relate to this period in between Easter and the Great Commission. And so I thought these were great questions that I think we can we can go through and we can kind of knock out. So we got a question from Donna uh, that talks about in Matthew 27, uh, there's basically a passage that talks about after Jesus is killed, after, yep. he, after he dies, that all these crazy things happen. Yeah. You know, the sun blacks out the curtain in the temple rips there's an earthquake and then there's this passage in Matthew 27 that says there are there are people in the tombs that are now walking around the city of Jerusalem <laughs> so there's this crazy thing where now there's there's resurrected bodies that are walking around Jerusalem uh, and so Donna wants to know how does this apply to us today does this apply to us today this is a portion of scripture that is often skipped over what can we learn from this passage 
That's a great question. Yeah. And in terms of how it applies to us, I think that the answer to that is just a confirmation that there's life after death. Mm. Because, because this is uh, an eyewitness account that says there are people who are dead yep. that weren't dead anymore. Um, and, uh, I, I just think Jerusalem had to be an absolutely crazy place. Oh, just a mess. Um, because you've got all of the dynamics. Actually, you know what? This is an Easter question. We need to call Jake and Chris back in because they were supposed to sub for me last week. Um, so, so you've got Jesus coming to town. Everybody thinks he's the Messiah. There's this huge celebration, ticker tape parade, the whole deal. And then five days later, he's condemned and crucified. And I think that had to just suck the life out of the city. Mm-hmm. And then as he dies, there's an earthquake and the the, the curtain in the temple mm-hmm. that's 30 feet tall and like a yard thick yeah. is torn in two. And all the stuff associated with that. And then there's dead people walking around. Um, <laughs> and Scripture doesn't tell us like how much longer they lived right. or it, whether it was just for the weekend, you know, they kind of did a weekend jaunt, kind of, <laughs> right. you know, a vacation from the other world. I, uh, we don't know a lot. I, I think, I think the thing that it teaches us is that there's life after death. And I think that it points again to say the magnitude of Jesus' death was earth shattering. Yeah. You know, it, it changed everything. Yeah. And I think that, that uh, in Jerusalem, for the people who knew those people, mm. oh, Grandpa, what are you doing here? <laughs> um, yeah. The the impact, yeah. it's it is no surprise that seven weeks later on the day of Pentecost, when Peter says, "You've killed the Messiah," three thousand people respond because right. it's been on their mind. Yeah, for the last two months, it's like, how do we make sense of what's happened? Yeah, I think I think it's cool to look through those events and see Jesus demonstrating his power over like demonstrating yeah. power over the world that right. now an earthquake takes place, demonstrating his power over death that now yeah. as I die other people are being raised to life and demonstrating what in that context would have been probably the hardest thing to demonstrate power over is the holy of holies. Right. Who has power over the holy of holies? Except the holy of holiest, yeah. <laughs> except God, yeah. And so you have all of these events that show, okay, Jesus demonstrates power over earth, over life and death, over yeah. the holy of holies, and yeah, you have it's this un these unmissable things where you have the centurion that says, surely right. this man was the son of God. You have right. all of these events that take place in this short amount of time, because it's God wants that to be unmissable for people right. to know what happened. Right. And so, yeah, what does that mean for us? Yeah, I think <laughs> Jesus still has power over the earth, over life and death, over the Holy of Holies. That is as true today as it ever has been. Um, and that's comforting <laughs> yeah. to me. You, you know, it's funny. I, I, I've, I've told you, I just finished a book, uh, uh a few weeks ago called Willful Blindness, mm-hmm. um, with the, the whole concept that there are things that we choose to ignore that we know are there and we know are real. Yeah. And and just as you were talking, I, I, I think everything that God did, um, the only way that you could miss yeah. is if you chose to be willfully blind. Yeah. You know, if, if you 
if you were open at all, you had to, you just had to process. And the same thing is true today. I think if, mm. if, mm. if we are really thoughtful and look at the world around us and look at what God's doing yep. and look at what God's doing in our lives, yep. we have to choose to ignore those things. Yep. Um, if, if we, if we don't want to, um, give him control. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. I think that ties in with, uh, what Paul talks about in Romans that we suppress the truth. Yeah. That even just an evident in creation, we just suppress that. You make right. that willful choice. So yeah, yep. I think that ties in well. All right, we got another question that kind of ties in with uh, Easter-ish. I mean, it definitely uh-huh. ties in with Easter. Um, Where's Chris and Jake? <laughs> they're on standby. <laughs> I've been pondering the three days. So Jesus yeah. is killed, and then Scripture says that Jesus is in the tomb for three days. Yep. But if you actually count it out... It doesn't seem that way because <laughs> he's killed Friday afternoon, evening. He's put into the tomb that night. Yep. All Saturday and then Sunday morning. So that's about a day and a half. <laughs> so wh- is scripture wrong? <laughs> is it actually three days? Did they yeah. count differently back then? What's going on here? Sixth hour is when Jesus dies. So the Roman time was, di- or Jewish time, one of the t- Jewish time was different mm-hmm. in that it measured time from sun up. So sixth hour is, is about three in the afternoon. Mm-hmm. So Jesus dies about three in the afternoon. Um, Jewish calendar, uh, new day starts at sundown. Mm-hmm. So Jesus would have died on Friday afternoon, roughly three o'clock, and would have been buried before sundown because sundown, Jewish calendar again, starts the Sabbath right on, right. on Friday night. So Friday, Jesus is put into the tomb before Sabbath starts. Saturday, all day long, Jesus is in the tomb. Saturday night, in our calendar, would be when Sunday starts. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, Matthew 28 talks about uh, very early in the morning, the sun's coming up, is, is when the women go after they've slept to, to, um, to take care of Jesus' body. Yeah. And so that is then Sunday, you know, what, 6, 7, 8 o'clock or whatever, and that would be the third day that Jesus was in the tomb. Yeah. So we don't know, you know, whether that well, Jesus rose at 4 a.m. or at, uh, you know, 5.13 a.m. or whatever it was, but that's the way the counting's done. So yeah. it, in, in our, in our, in the way that we think, we think in terms of hours. Mm-hmm. So, so we would say, wait, that's less than 48 hours. Mm-hmm. But in j- the Jewish time frame, it really was three days. Yeah. Yeah. It comes down to how they count it. So they right. count if, if it took place at any point on f- what was technically Friday, right. they counted that's day one, that's Friday, right. then Saturday, then Sunday. Whereas, yeah, we look at it and go, okay, three days, that's 24 plus 24 plus 24 hours. Yeah. Something's not adding up. Yeah. So it's a difference in cultural timing. Yep. So great question. Yeah. Because that's, that's a question that's often thrown out as like, this is the deal breaker <laughs> right. for Easter is that it's, it says three days, but it's not three days. And, and then that's, again, that's, it's going back to what we talked about in the message a few weeks ago. Sometimes when we look at Scripture and say, that doesn't make any sense, you just have to take that by faith. Well, not really. You just have to do some research, some study yeah. to understand the way that they counted time. Yep. Yeah. So great question. Thanks for asking yep. that. Um, another question dealing with numbers. Uh-huh. <laughs> so after Jesus rose from the dead, Jesus is resurrected. He's here 40 days before he ascends into heaven. Do the 40 days that Jesus was fasting, so we know that 
before Jesus was crucified, long before Jesus was crucified, he's tempted by Satan and he's fasting for 40 days. And then after Jesus' resurrection, he's here for 40 days. And there's lots of times where 40, the number 40, 40 days, 40 years is thrown around in the Bible. Yep. Does this mean anything? Is there significance to that? Yes. <laughs> uh, Great. I, I, yeah. Um, in terms of how I read scripture and and um, process it, yeah, I tend to not draw hard lines where there are not hard lines um, articulated in scripture. Yeah. So it is really interesting that um, uh, when when God destroys the world in a flood, it rains for forty days, forty nights. Yeah. There's there's forty days. Uh, Jesus fasts for forty days to start his ministry. After Jesus' resurrection, he's on earth for 40 days. Um, Does that mean anything? I don't know. It's kind of a cool bookend. I don't know that it necessarily means anything, Um, but it it is just really interesting in terms of the... the, the parallel that's there at the start of his ministry and at the end of his ministry. Yeah, it's really... There's a lot of common numbers that that come up right. often in Scripture, and it's easy, like you said, to to start to associate. Like I was doing some reading on this because I was like, oh, I wonder if there is significance to 40 days. And you can kind of draw like, well, it seems like 40 days is linked with trials or uh, the outcome of God's promises or whatever. My and there that might be there, right? But it's also it, we know that it was 40 days, right? And so there's that, right? So we can we can take that hard line and we know. It's 40 days. And there. Yeah. <laughs> I, and, and I know people that would look at that and say, oh, if ever you're facing a particularly hard decision, you need to pray for 40 days. Mm. Um, and that's a great that's thing a to great do. Idea yeah. In general. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know that it's a, um, a mandate, that yeah. there's anything that we can take as a mandate as a result of that, as much as just saying, God's, God's pretty cool in the way he does stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. All right. Last thing with Easter. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so last week, we had baptisms, which was yeah. super cool. So we had yeah. uh, three baptisms after the last service, which was great. Um, we had Jake and Mike and Crystal, and so we celebrated them again this past Sunday. We showed the video, so yeah. that was a ton of fun. Uh, and we got a question as a follow-up from that. Yeah. Um, so John asks, I love, I love the sharing of the baptisms from last Sunday. Something that we caught were some of the words that you used. Um, that seemed to imply that the Holy Spirit comes into us at the point of baptism. Can you talk through, you, you kind of said the same thing as you baptize each person. Yeah. You're baptized for the forgiveness of sins and the promise of the Holy Spirit living yeah. inside you. What's that mean? Unpack that. Yeah. What that mean? Yeah. The, the, um, here, it's, it's fun because I, uh, I had a phone call last week uh, <laughs> over, the, over the same issue just in, t- in terms of the language. Yeah. And, um, and I'm, I'm trying to think how much background I want to go. Sure. Um, we live in a world that has been impacted by Martin Luther tremendously. Mm-hmm. So, so Luther was a Catholic priest that 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 loved loved God. He loved Jesus, and and um, thought the Catholic Church was all that in a bag of chips until he got to Rome. And he got to Rome and saw all kinds of corruption, all kinds of things that were wrong, and. Um, and and all of the stuff that that you had to do at that point in time in the in the early 1500s, late 1400s, in order to follow Jesus, that the Catholic Church had had 
had put in place. Yeah. Luther looked at all that and rejected it and just said, no, man, that's not it at all. When I read Scripture, I understand that we're saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. However, Luther wrote into that by faith alone. Um, and so we live in a world, in the Protestant world, that, that pushes back incredibly hard on anything other than faith. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you read through the New Testament, it um, the conversation I had this past week was to say, we've got to try and take off the Luther glasses and just look at what Scripture says and 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 understand what's, what Scripture teaches. So the language that I use, I typically use, the, it, and it's language that comes, I didn't, um, in the second baptism, I, I was noticing because I, I said it a little bit differently than I would typically say it. But the language that I use comes from Acts 2, when Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. And um, so this is 10 days after Jesus has ascended. Um, and and Peter's in the temple with uh, with again uh, probably um, tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands of Jews who are there to celebrate this this Jewish um, holiday. Yeah. Um, and he he preaches and he says, "This is this is what God laid out in the past. Mm-hmm. He he laid the foundation for the Messiah to come. Jesus was the Messiah, and you all killed him." Um, and, and it says that the response of the crowd is that they say, we've killed the Messiah. What do, we, what do we do to be saved? And Peter says, repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sin and the gift of the Holy Spirit, mm. um, that the Holy Spirit would come and live inside you. This is a promise to you, to your children, and to generations into the future. Yeah. Um, I use that language, and, and part of why I use it is because of the number of conversations that I've had with people who after they're baptized or after they've chosen to follow Jesus, they, they look back and say, oh, do I really have the Holy Spirit mm. or not? I'm, you know, I still sin. Does that mean that God's Spirit is not living in me? And I think that we can go to Acts 2 and say, when we repent and are baptized, when, when we answer the question, what do I need to do to be saved? That we can look at what Peter said and say, "There's a promise there for us that God's that our sins are going to be forgiven, and that the Holy Spirit would come live in us." Now, that doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit doesn't work in somebody who hasn't been baptized. It doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit's not working all the time in lots of people's lives. Yeah. But it is a place I think that we can go to in Scripture to say we have the promise that God's Spirit lives in us as followers of Jesus, as disciples, mm-hmm. as, as we articulate it, following Jesus, being changed by Jesus, committed to the mission of Jesus. Yeah. And so um, I, I use that language. I don't always use that language when I baptize somebody. Um, you know, with the, the cool thing with, um, with Jake in particular, it really, um, his decision has been building, but, but it really was kind of a, a seminal moment when, it, when he said that week, yeah, I need to do this. I need to take this step to follow Jesus for the very first time. Um, with with Mike, there was there's been this growing sense where he has just fallen more and more in love with with Jesus, mm-hmm. and um, and chosen to follow him and to give him control of his life. Um, Crystal, we didn't have as much chance to talk, but she, she's had this clear sense of, yeah, this is a step I need to take to just publicly declare. Um, my love for Jesus, and and that I'm I'm choosing to follow Him. Yeah. So yeah, does that does that help answer the question? Yeah, I think so. I think um, I think we've talked about this as a church. You know, when it comes to these, there's going to be people that disagree. 
Yeah. There's going to be varying views on. I mean, you could you could <laughs> you could find ten random pastors and ask them what does baptism do and get ten completely different right. answers. Um, and so I I think that's that's the question I would pose to you is if someone hears that and thinks, you know, I just, I think I see baptism a little differently. For me, it's completely symbolic, or for me, it, it's something more than that. Yeah. How do, how do, how does that fit at North Point? How does that fit at North Point? Yeah. Those very um, views. Uh, I would say that we've got, um, we have people that have lots of different perspectives, yeah. and, and that's okay. The conversation about baptism or any other um, piece of theological viewpoint that I would say is what I what I would do like if we if somebody wants to say hey can we talk about this I'd yeah. say absolutely but but here are the parameters here's where I'm going to go I'm, I'm going to say let's look at what scripture says forget what your pastor says forget what your grandma says forget what right. Martin Luther says forget what Calvin says let's just look at what scripture says um, and and so there's there's just some really cool imagery in yeah. Galatians that talks about baptism as putting on Christ, mm-hmm. a, almost like a coat that covers us. Yeah. Um, um, Romans six talks about being baptized into de- into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Yeah. Really cool imagery. First Peter three talks about baptism as the pledge of a pure conscience. Mm. Which I love because there yeah. are so many people. There, there are lots of people that that I know that have been following Jesus for a long, long time, never been baptized. Mm. Um, is their relationship with Jesus negated because they've not been baptized? I don't think so at all. Yeah. But, but I do think if we get a chance to talk, I'm going to say, you know what? There's this clear pattern in Scripture that that the way that people said yes to Jesus in yeah. the New Testament was that they were baptized. And um, and that when we take that step and say, okay, this doesn't make any sense. I get wet when I go swimming. I get wet when I take a shower. <laughs> right. Uh, you want me to get wet? <laughs> well, this is the, here's the pattern in Scripture. And when we follow that pattern in Scripture, there's something cool that happens that that it's like, okay, I've done what you want, which yeah. is First Peter three, the pledge of a pure conscience. It's, yeah. it's whatever God, whatever you want, I'm yeah. I'm willing to do, and um, uh, and this is maybe a good commercial uh, to say, <laughs> hey, we have some more content on the channel, yeah. uh, specifically about baptism, um, b- because the other thing that I I I don't want to uh, I I don't want to get sidetracked and 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 communicate. Everything's all about baptism because mm-hmm. I don't think so. Um, you know, Peter said, "Repent." Right. If we don't repent and are baptized, um, it doesn't mean much. Right. Um, the um, uh, Philippians two talks about confessing Jesus as Lord. Yeah. If we don't confess Jesus as Lord, if we don't publicly say, "Yeah, I'm a follower of Jesus," it doesn't mean much. If we don't believe, you know, if we get right. wet and if we say the, what we think are the right words, but we don't really believe, yeah, it doesn't mean much. So it's not an issue of baptism above everything else. Yeah. Not that at all. I think that there are these um, pieces that when you look at Scripture to say, okay, how is it that I have the right relationship of, with God? Um, what Scripture teach? And how do how do I integrate those into my relationship with Jesus? Yeah, uh, and uh, you know, faith is a part of that. Baptism, belief, repentance, confession. Yeah, yeah, I think that's great. Yeah, for that that video that you mentioned, I think we posted that a long time ago. A year ago. So if you're scrolling through the YouTube, it's, it's way it's back called, there. 
I can't remember the name of the video. Baptism's in the title, so if you search North Point Baptism, it'll yeah. pop up. But it's it's a it's about a year ago that we posted it. But that yeah, that's a great resource. That's like thirty or forty minutes long. Yeah, that's just talking about baptism. Yep, and and it's um. I talked about right relationship with God. It's I'm a talking head on that, so you don't get the benefit of Mark <laughs> being on there. That's probably a benefit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, great question. Um, so now shifting gears to questions, uh, kind of specifically related to this message that we talked about. Yeah. Um, so we're wrapping up the Jesus is yep. series, which has been an awesome series, looking at everything that Jesus is, and we're closing with this this context of Jesus never being off of his mission. Yeah. Everything he does is laser focused on the mission of seeking and saving the lost. Um, so questions relating to that. Joe McNerney submits a question. How can we teach our children to follow Jesus and not themselves? Sometimes they struggle to see and feel Jesus. And I want them to feel Jesus in the everyday. And we can certainly talk about how that relates to children. And that, also probably relates to not children as well. <laughs> that's right. That that's a that's a great question. And and I think I think the best answer is to make sure that our faith mm. is authentic. Yep. That we're living on mission and that we're modeling that for them. Um and and that means living a life of sacrifice. It, it means that that as a dad that we're Modeling what it means to love and serve mm. our our wives and our kids and the people that we work with, and um, that 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 we really are taking up the cross daily yeah. and following Jesus. Um, I I think that, that you know um, our children following Jesus is f- uh, this cliche, but much more caught than taught. If if your kids see you wrestling with what it means to live out your your faith in Jesus, to live out the mission of Jesus, yeah, and and see you make decisions based on that, that'll make tons of sense. Yeah. On the other hand, if they see you, hear you talk about the mission of Jesus, and watch you live something different, mm. um, the the likelihood that they're going to believe that that matters. Right. Is um is is really negated because it's right. like yeah you say this but you don't do it so right wow uh, why bother <laughs> um so the the, the um the, it that's a challenge if if you're a follower of Jesus if you're a disciple um and you're trying to parent your kids um the that's the heart of the matter because it really is um most of the, most of the time as parents when we get frustrated with our kids. It's not a kid problem. <laughs> it, it's an us problem because because we're not living consistent because we're yeah. not um, we're sure. we're not doing what we're asking them to do. We're not yeah. modeling it for them. We're we're not following Jesus and 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 in a bad place. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I would. The only thing I would add to that is caught not taught is great, and this isn't a, this isn't something that you should you know do the formal lesson of I'm teaching you this yeah. but don't underestimate the value of talking through what you're working through in life yeah. with your kids I, I the the moments in my life that stick through the most with me and my dad are when my dad was vulnerable with me and talked about the struggles yeah. that he was having and man it's hard to make this decision and man I messed up when I did this um, I think that goes so far because it it breaks down 
the persona that kids yeah. build of their parents of my dad's perfect, my mom's perfect, and they never right. mess up, so I can't mess up. So seeing that my dad struggled, that my dad would cry with me, that my dad would yeah. wrestle through this stuff was enormously impactful. And the same with my mom, that my mom would, would sit down and wrestle with wrestle through stuff with us. Um, and yeah, living that, living the life of a Christ follower. Right. There's sacrifice in that. There's pain in that. There's immense joy in that. There's celebration right. in that. And being able to do all of that with your kids, that goes so far. Um, and I think, I, you know, I, it's it's the cliche Sunday school answer of like, look at what Jesus did. Yeah. How did Jesus get yeah. people to buy into his mission? Is he lived life with them and he suffered with them and went through pain with them and celebrated with them and kept that mission laser yep. focused in every conversation that he had. Yeah, the, the um, I, I said caught, not taught, and I believe that completely. Yep. But I don't want to lessen the impact of of the taught piece the taught yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just having having the opportunity to have the conversations yes. and and like you just said to be able to say you know to be able to say to your kids man i need i need you to pray for me mm-hmm. cuz there's this guy at work that is driving me crazy yeah. and i'm not i didn't respond to him well today i didn't i didn't do what jesus wants me to and i and and i want to and um, I, you know, I lost my temper. Whatever. Yeah. Um, that's th- those conversations yep. change hearts. Yep. My maybe this is bad to say. My least favorite kind of Christianese phrase is preach the gospel, and when necessary, use, <laughs> use words. words. And yeah. the 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 thought behind that phrase is: if you just live your best life, you live the life that Jesus would have lived without saying anything, then people will catch on and notice that something's different. And that's true. That yep. there's certainly truth to that. And there are so many things that are communicated in the mission of Jesus that are, if if all we have to go by is the example, then that's that's where kids build up the persona of their parents. That's yeah, where, that's where people build up the persona of pastors. That pastors are these perfect people that never mess up, that never sin, that never struggle, and that's where we share the gospel of. No, I'm more messed up than most people, and God still loves me. And I'm happy to share that because yeah. that's what the gospel is. When you know, it's funny when when I first read that question from Joe, I'm thinking, okay, where'd that come from in the in the message? Where you know, where where'd that connect? And it really comes out of our vision that everybody yeah. who calls North Point home would see Jesus working in their life and be sharing that with others. And so, in the in the specific context of a home, it's having the conversation with your spouse, mm. and your kids are observing that. And a conversation with your kids intentionally to say, you'll never believe what God did in my life today. You'll never believe how I saw Jesus working. Or, um, you know, I I heard the Holy Spirit just whisper in my ear, I needed to do this, and I did it, and this is what happened. Mm-hmm. Or I heard the Holy Spirit whisper in my ear, and I <laughs> didn't do it, and I, man, I regret that so yeah. badly. That's all that seeing Jesus working in your life. We don't, we don't, our relationship with Jesus, our our choice to be a disciple of Jesus, is not something that turns on on Sunday morning mm. at nine thirty and turns off, you know, when we get home. Right. Um, it it is it's a decision to, that's fully integrated into every aspect of our lives. Yeah, yeah, that's great, great perspective. All right, last question: How do we train people in our community to make disciples who make disciples. 
I think this is an important next step to keep seeking Jesus and keep reaching out to others to share Christ. How do we train people to make disciples that make disciples? Um, I feel like this, I feel like we're on the softball field and, it, and somebody's lobbing me a pitch. <laughs> right. um, our next series, the, the Who Cares series that we talked about yesterday morning, yeah. is it really is designed to help us have conversations with people. Mm. And, I, and I think I would say this. When we understand that the, um, that the mission of Jesus, when, when he said, go in all the world, preach, teach, yeah. um, make disciples, that that's the calling that we have. And so um, if I can, Jake, I hope this is okay. I'm going to tell a story on you. <laughs> the, um, the, the conversation that we've had over the last year is that he's got a, he's got a, a friend who is... Um, who has all of his life proclaimed himself to be an atheist. Mm. And, and Jake said, I've always believed in God. I just didn't really like the church or buy that Jesus was the only way. Um, but Jake has been talking to his buddy as Jake's been growing to say, God's working in our lives. God's doing this in our business. God's doing something. I'm not sure I get it. That's the natural result of having a relationship with Jesus. That is that that we're talking about what He's doing, and that that right. is that's um, planting the seeds for the next circle of people to come to know Jesus. And so, making disciples when when we when we invest in people to help them follow Jesus and be changed by Jesus and and commit to the mission of Jesus. It's. I was going to say the most normal thing in the world uh, um, is that they are doing that. They're replicating that in the lives of people um, who are part of their sphere of influence, who are in their world as well. And maybe the it's stronger to say it the opposite way. It's abnormal mm. to be a disciple of Jesus and to not be making disciples who make disciples. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I mean, it it, <laughs> it might seem cliche or that we're just defaulting to the easy answer, but that's what. That's what Jesus' mission was all about. Right. And that's like the reason we keep pointing back to that is because that is what it's all about. If you want to make disciples that make disciples, point them to the mission. <laughs> right. If you want to make disciples that make disciples that make disciples, if you want to teach your kids to follow Jesus, if you want to teach your coworkers yourself, you go to the mission of Jesus. You go to what yeah. he did on the cross. You go to what he did in the tomb. You go to what he did after he rose from the dead, what he's doing now. Like that's that mission is it. <laughs> that's what it's all about. Yeah. And, and, with very few exceptions, most of us know Jesus because there was someone who was a disciple, mm. who made a disciple, mm. who made a disciple, yeah, who then introduced us to Jesus. Very few exceptions. <laughs> that uh, there are some people that come to faith really kind of all by themselves with with Scripture, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> but for the most part, it's because of other disciples that ha have introduced us to him yeah. and start us on that journey. Um, I, I remember sermon illustration from <laughs> way back about Jesus ascending into heaven and, and getting, getting there. And the angels say, hey, you're back. What's your plan? And Jesus said, well, there are these 11 guys that, I, that I've, I've given the task hmm. of, of showing God's love to the world and, and turn the world upside down. And the angels turn and look at him and say... <laughs> 
mm, what's your uh, that doesn't sound like a very good plan what's your other plan and jesus says there is no other plan the the um the the um the challenge that we have the responsibility that we have is if we're not investing in people if we're not living on mission yeah there are people who will go to their grave never knowing him yeah uh, people that are in our lives right now and um i you know i, I it's funny because this morning when i uh went to play racquetball and it was at the y there's a guy that i talk to all the time that um he's an old guy mm. and and um he keeps saying all the time, I don't need God. I don't, I, you know, he's, uh, and I've just got a burden, you know, to think, God, open up conversations because yeah. he, he does not have a lot of years left. Um, well, none of us have the guarantee of any. Right. Um, but uh, I, I just keep praying for opportunities to be able to speak truth and to help him hmm. take some steps. Yeah, it makes me... Uh, just before we were recording, we were talking about missions and unreached peoples. And yeah. I had shared, the, I was at a conference last week where they talked about there are 3 billion people that are unreached that yeah. that if nothing happens, they will never hear the name of Jesus. And it's really easy to, to see that number of 3 billion people and think, well, how do I have an impact on that? I'm one person. How do I have an impact on that? Yeah. And that's why God placed you where you are, is that you might not be directly involved in translating into an unknown language or supporting a missionary, but you might impact your neighbor and they can impact their neighbor and they might know someone that has an impact to 3 billion people and having that chain of effect. Yeah. The, the, <laughs> the enemy likes us to get focused on things that seem impossible. Right. And so you get focused on a big number of, well, I can't save the world. Oh, no, no, you can't. <laughs> You're not right. the savior. Um, or you get focused on, well, I just I want to take the easy way out. And so I'm just going to preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. I'll just live by example. Um, and that's where, again, I think the, the thing that stuck out to me from your message that really, really <laughs> cut me to the quick was um, if you don't love Jesus' mission, you don't love Jesus. That's the, yeah. the paraphrase. And that, right. man, like, are you, am I really living every day like the gospel is the most important thing in my life? that's convicting <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah yes so uh hopefully this next series will be a benefit to people yes. where we can we can walk through that um and kind of remove the the stigma of of sharing your faith and and really talk about how, like again we're looking to the example of jesus how how organically yeah. did jesus just share himself share his mission um, so I'm excited for that. Be yeah, I series. think it's going to be a really, really fun series, and like I want to start preaching it right now, but I'll <laughs> save it for Sunday. We're, we're holding back. Yeah, great, awesome. Well, thank you so much for your questions. Thanks for submitting everything. Uh, it's a great yeah. conversation, Rick. Thanks for your time. Oh, we're bringing the hat back. Finish. Start with the hat. Finish with the hat. We're never going to live that down. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.